What a surprise. CGP Grey, the podcaster, he made a YouTube video. Is this a new thing for you? Very funny, Mike. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> you know, someone was monkeying around with my Wikipedia profile. Uh huh. There was a Wikipedia discussion about what order those things should go in, right? YouTuber Ooh. or podcaster and podcaster or YouTuber. And I saw there was a, there was like a little minor edit war <laughs> over which way it should go. I'm not sure what the current state of things is now. But uh, no, I make, I make YouTube videos because I am Mike, a YouTuber. Oh, right now, CGB Grey is an American Irish podcaster and educational YouTuber. So podcaster currently wins. <laughs> podcaster currently on top. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it should just change around. Like, so right now you can be YouTuber if you post a video. Like within the next, I don't know, two months maybe. You know, we can mm-hmm. maybe switch it back around again. But right now, okay. you know, I think you're a podcaster. I leave it up to the Wikipedia gods. But I just I thought that was funny. <laughs> I would say it is. It is quite an honor to be a podcaster and to be uh, considered as such. You know. Yeah, no, it That's is. Pod- podcasting is a is a noble career, a noble profession for anyone. <laughs> um, so, what is the deal uh, with the dragon video? What's this one all about? What do you what do you what do you mean, Mike? This is just a just a regular video, a regular Gray explains. Yeah, video as you're well known for. It's in my usual style. Yeah, nope, nope. This is very different. This is a very different video. It's a nice four minutes. Uh huh concise explanation Type four minute video where you're going to leave with a very clear understanding yeah. uh, <laughs> that's what this one is no this one is this one is uh this one is a little different <laughs> it is a tad different it is a 13 minute animated video in which you are reading a story mm-hmm. that is basically the exact opposite of what you typically do right like that pretty much in every way this is this is extremely different to the typical type of video that you produce. Well, I mean, you know, Mike, I like to, when I have the opportunity, I, I like to keep the people guessing. You're an envelope pusher. I, you know. That's what everybody knows about you. It's just pe- people get into ruts of expectations, and then sometimes it can be nice to be surprised. And, of course, from the perspective of someone who's actually making these things, it's nice not to be caught in becoming a caricature of yourself over time. So sure. I like to do different things as well. Because, you know, you always like to have things that are out of character, as, as you're well known uh, to well, Again, anything that I do, by definition, cannot <laughs> be out of character. character. That, that, whole, that whole phrase makes no sense at all, Mike. Now part of your character is Yarn Weaver, right? You know, that's, that's I guess that's part of what you are. You just, what is it, weave some wonderful tales with CGP Grey. Well, I think it's, it's important at this point to say that, no, I am not a, a yarn weaver, because this is not a yarn that I have weaved. Yes. I did not write this story. This is, this is uh, I wasn't quite sure how to describe it, so I, I, I called it an adaptation of. Uh, it's an adaptation of a, it was actually a, a paper in a philosophical journal first huh. by Nick Bostrom called The Fable of the Dragon Tyrant. So it's from, I think like 2005, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was originally published as a paper, and that is a thing that I have adapted into video form. Why did you want to do this, though? So, like, when did you come across this? And, like, what about it made you think, like, I don't want to make a video about this, like you have many times, right, where you will take a source material and make a video that is referencing the source material, where in this instance, you wanted to basically use that 
material in its entirety with some modifications, right? Like it's it's different to the way that you would usually adapt a source. There's a couple of things here. Thing number one, for the past maybe two years, I've I've had it in the back of my mind that it might be interesting to do something like a like a short story at some point. I didn't have anything really actionable about it, but it was just on my mental radar of, of like things I was keeping in mind in the world and like what am I what am I looking out for and what can I possibly find? So it was it was a thing I was like scanning for in the world. What eventually ended up happening to to give the the like the longer version of this then is viewers may remember that a little while ago I did a video about death, which got people quite worried. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I'm just talking about a topic, but people were concerned. I think it was, again, was the problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't your first video about death. No. Well, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I did a couple of videos about death. Um, <laughs> I did a whole death series, you could say. Yeah. Now, th- okay. So this is exactly it, though. Here, here was the original plan. Uh, me and my friend Philip from Kurtz Gazette. We were talking about doing a little series on this topic. And so uh, back in October, we we roughly had a plan that we were each going to do like a pair of videos every two weeks for um, a month or six weeks. So in in the end, the idea was going to be like there'll be six videos. We've each done three and the videos will cross promote and they'll be talking about this topic that we think is interesting and perhaps people haven't thought of it in the way that we think maybe people should think of it and you're referring to the the fable well okay so the original plan was that we were going to do several videos right right now in this plan the fable that i have just uploaded was supposed to have been uploaded back in november ah it was a part of the series right so it was going to be a part of the series. There was going to be the first video that I did, which was called Why Die? Uh, the little like footnote sort of follow-up thing, which was like, I don't know, like a almost like a like a little a little piece of concept art, which was the 24 hours of death was the mm-hmm. next one in that series. But that was supposed to be just like the weird little middle one. And then the fable was going to be the final one in this series. That was the original idea. But uh, what happened is this project dramatically expanded in scope very quickly. So the original idea was, I know what I can do to produce something quickly. I'm going to take a, an already finished thing. There's this short story. All I have to do is yeah. I'm going to read it. Because that removes the typical bottleneck, which is how long it takes you to write a script. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That removes... What is the bottleneck for me? Which is, I spend a lot of time writing these things, and I thought, a thing has already been written. I have but to speak it aloud, and then I have to work with an illustrator who I've worked with before, and get storybook images made. Maybe maybe it'll be a little bit like a Ken Burns documentary, you know, a Civil War documentary. We'll have some still images. There'll be a little little zoom in, little zoom out maybe, little pan across these images. Mm-hmm. But this should be a nice, quick, simple project. But that is not what happened. That is not 
remotely what happened. Did you get a little bit creative, Greg? <laughs> Is that the problem? Okay, there's a couple of problems. <laughs> I became an artiste. <laughs> okay, problem number one. Have you ever seen the behind-the-scenes videos about the production of the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, Mike? <laughs> no, Gray. Oh, I highly recommend them. Great. Do you know I've only seen one of the Lord of the Rings movies and didn't like it? Don't tell me this, Mike. I, I okay. didn't hear that. I'm just going to keep moving on. So <laughs> you, you just haven't... It's like it's understandable you wouldn't have seen these because I, I'm not sure if they exist in digital form, but they were like DVDs back in the day. You mm -hmm. had to buy like a huge big box set. So it's understandable that you might not have come across them uh, because sure. obviously you would be searching them out. I mean, obviously. I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. Um, you do. But I, I, I came to it just a little bit late, I guess, so I never had them on DVD. Yeah, you came to it late. Came to it late. I watched these things obsessively because I, it was the first time that I had ever seen explained the process of, of like, how do you take a book and turn it into a movie? Now, in, in the modern world, there are a million YouTube channels that talk about the process of film and how do you do things and like the structure that a film requires. Like this is a much more well-known concept it's much more out in the world now but back when the lord of the rings movies first came out this was my first exposure to this idea of like we're a team of people trying to structure some movies and in particular trying to structure what might be one of the most unfilmable series of books that has ever been written like the lord of the rings does not translate well into a movie and i think they did okay. an amazing job doing that i thought about this a lot in the process of making this video because I originally thought I just need to read it out loud. But the very first few times when I read it out loud, I realized, oh no. It's too complicated. This does not work yeah. at all as a video. Mm -hmm. It suddenly becomes obvious when you sit down and you think, what am I going to have on the screen while I'm saying these words? And... As soon as the door was open to, I'm going to have to modify this document, it's like all, all of what would have been easy is now gone. Because now that seal is broken and I'm going to start doing my iteration process. So like I'm going to go over and over and over the story. So did you, well, so you considered that the complication was that you had to adapt it, not that it needed additional work in animating. Yeah, I mean, th that was going to be problem number two, is I dramatically underestimated how many images need to be on the screen, that the time frame I had originally set out was an insane man's time frame. Uh, because I thought like, oh, I, there's only like 10 images I need and we can get 80% of the way there. I was like, nope. <laughs> nope, not even remotely. No. But, but before that could even happen was the process of trying to change it into something that could be a video. Now. Here, here's the thing. That original paper is indisputably more convincing and more interesting than the video that I produced. Like that paper is a famous paper for this very reason. Like it, it's a, it's a good story and it goes through all of these different like tangents that relate to a whole array of aspects around this topic, which is the topic of death. And it like... It's just incredibly well done. 
but not all of it works in video format. Like when you're explaining about how a hospital works, like it just, there are big sections where you can't really show it on screen. And so it seems like it should be easy, but I thought about that, that Lord of the Rings documentary all the time, because I remember the script writers seemed like they're like, Oh God, we're having such a hard time with this. And you sort of think like, oh, but don't you just you just cut some parts and you put it together and bam, you've got a movie. And you realize like, no, you you have to cut parts, but still leave it as a coherent whole. It still has to be the original thing that you're trying to make. Like you're not making a thing from scratch. You just have to be really selective about what is going to go. And that just took far, far longer than I expected it would. Did you find it harder to modify fiction? Yeah, in in some ways, uh, because there are some little little parts that I've added as well, and right, it's yeah, I've I don't work in <laughs> I don't work in fiction because I I assume there was a little bit of like a creator's dilemma there of like is it good enough right because you you are taking something that is an incredible piece of kind of fiction right yeah yeah you know, it's fiction but like was a was a study a paper. But you've got if you've got to add to it, it has to be good enough. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and this is also this is also like the pressure, which is this is this is a philosopher who is incredibly well renowned the world over with very important people, and he's written this very important paper. And I'm like, I'm gonna tweak it a little bit here and there, right? It's I don't think I don't think this is, you could do a bit being a bit more succinct. Let me see if I can help you with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's what it is. It's like, well, I'm gonna cut this down. I'm gonna, and it's like, oh god. So it, it did. It was uh, that that was that was a lot of pressure. Like I, I have I have gotten the thumbs up to the final production, uh, but it was it was a lot of pressure and, and a very a very different kind of thing to do. So you communicated with the author about it at the beginning. I contacted Nick Bostrom to ask for permission because like I don't <laughs> I want to make sure that you're okay with this project. There there have been other people who've tried to do adaptations of this, but it's like I want to make sure this is all above board. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, like I sent the final thing along, and it was like, oh great, thanks. So I was hugely relieved as as opposed to getting back an email of like you've totally misunderstood my work, you fool. <laughs> so what's wrong with you? It's obvious. Why did yeah. you why did you ruin it? <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a lot of pressure, but like there are things that I'm really pleased with. Like I did have to add some details when I took other things out. So like in the original version, the the king doesn't have a wife. There's no queen in the story at all so it's like i just added her as a visual element that i think right. works really well and that's a good emotional moment with the uh like the locket i like that yeah i think it added honestly i will say like i don't I don't know the original but it personally added a lot to the story for me because um when the when the guy is pleading you should see, see the video if you've not seen the video at this point it'll be in the show notes you can watch the video um when the guy is pleading with the king it adds to the king's kind of like motive for why he thinks this is important if he Mm -hmm. is also lost yeah i think that that you know i think that that is a it was for me an important part of the story to show that like the king's motivation is pure right like Mm -hmm. he feels like this the dragon needs to be killed and he understands that this guy's gonna lose his dad but everybody's lost someone he lost the Mm -hmm. most important person to him and again, like I also like thinking back to it now. That happened in between the moment of them deciding this project or not, because she's sitting behind him in the in the town meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And so between then and the time they shoot shoot the missile, he's had to send his wife away. Yeah, in uh, 
in the in the like canon of where the wife is i feel like it's months before the final event has occurred right because the the last scene that she's in is she's there celebrating the successful test launch with him and then you know like you don't see her there anymore and it's like at some point between those two events like she disappears and then there's the king with the locket so like that that came along relatively late like maybe three weeks before the final production but i have to say like i was really pleased with that addition you know, I haven't really worked with fiction before, but I was like, I, I think this is a detail that that adds to this. CGP Gray, author, podcaster, <laughs> YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm not an author. Like this is uh, uh, uh. Th- this is right. This is the thing that I've often thought. Like if I hadn't ended up doing YouTube or like having having this public career, I have often thought that a job that I I could be pretty good at would be like a second or third draft editor on movie scripts like i I could Hmm. never write the original thing but i've often thought like if i was the second or third guy to look at a script which is a very standard process when you're doing movies like you have you know drafts and you send them off to different people yeah uh, i thought like i could do that not not that i could ever create something from scratch but i think i could find the places where you don't need this plot line or like if you add this element it would be a little better like i can't do it but i can tell you what's wrong with it and that's like critics right like a film critic can't necessarily make a movie Mm -hmm. but they can look at a movie and they can tell you what they think should be changed and and that's just a different skill set yeah but anyway so like it's just funny because this is this is a little moment in my life where it's like oh i got to kind of test this idea like can i actually do a draft on somebody else's story and adapt it to a different medium and I, i feel like i pulled it off pretty well yeah, so in, in addition to adding elements, it was just an enormous amount of trying to cut and focus on on just a few elements. And I I, th- I really think people should read the original paper. Like the, again, the original paper is better and more convincing and more interesting in every way because you can do so much more with just written text where it's less like you're having to hold people's visual attention while there's related videos on the side trying to pull them away. Like, it's a very different medium, and I think it is better. But I'm super pleased with what came out of this in the end. But it it was... I'm going to say, of all of the projects I have worked on in my adult career... This is probably the one where I underestimated how much work it would be by the most. Okay. Simply because I thought like it it will be it will be straightforward and it and it isn't. Um. Yeah, and like it's not necessarily the thing you've worked on the longest, but yeah, it was the like when you're looking at the ratios of how easy you think it's going to be and the yeah, time exactly. you allotted and how long it actually ended up taking. Yeah, because like I originally thought like oh this is going to be a like a three week four week project at most. <laughs> like whoops, <laughs> no, it is not. No, it no it no it is not at all. If there's anything that Cortex listeners know after hearing all of the episodes of this show, it's that it's important to make smart decisions for your business. And FreshBooks is here to help you make smart decisions. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, getting paid online, FreshBooks will dramatically reduce the time it takes for you to deal with your paperwork, just like they've done for over 10 million people. The clearer your paperwork, the clearer your mind. There are so many hours of your life that you can get back by using their easy-to-use cloud accounting software. 
If you're a freelancer, you know that it can sometimes be difficult to get paid, and FreshBooks really helps you with that. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether or not they've seen it, so you can put an end to the guessing game or having to send a ping email to ask if the person has gotten a look. You already know. And FreshBooks can do what is the most difficult thing sometimes by just automating late payment email reminders. This way, you can spend less time chasing up those payments and more time doing what you do best. As someone who has been on both the sending and receiving end of FreshBook invoices, it's been super easy for me to send out invoices with FreshBooks. And when someone I'm working with sends me an invoice on FreshBooks, it's so easy to pay. Tons of people use it, so it's just a known quantity. Just click, 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 and boom, invoice paid. So if you're listening to this and you haven't yet tried FreshBooks, you really should. FreshBooks are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com cortex and enter code cortex for an unrestricted 30-day free trial. Thanks to FreshBooks for saving freelancers the globe over time and getting them paid faster. And thanks to FreshBooks for supporting this show. Go check them out. It's also interesting seeing, like, cutting out parts that you particularly like and realizing, oh, this this needs to go even though I like it. And, and one that feels like a very Cortex kind of scene that's in the original is while this whole thing is going on with the dragon, there is a rattlesnake infestation that occurs in the kingdom. Hmm. And it's like, I love in the original paper this rattlesnake infestation because the purpose of it is... The rattlesnakes are new and people are scared of rattlesnakes and a couple of people have died from the rattlesnakes and it becomes this thing that the kingdom, like they demand right now, like you got to get rid of this rattlesnake infestation. And the, the whole point of it is to illustrate the idea of of the urgent versus the important. Uh, and, and it's yeah. like the rattlesnakes are new and they feel urgent, but they're not remotely important and they're a huge diversion right. from what the actual problem is like give it 10 years and you'll be sacrificed into the rattlesnakes as well (laughs) yeah and it was like it just like it it hurt me to the core to lose the like i love the rattlesnakes right but i i I showed it to a couple of people and like dude you gotta lose the rattlesnakes nobody cares like you're having this whole story about a dragon and then you have this side tangent about rattlesnakes and like no but it's really important the idea between the urgent like it's not for this medium like this is a story that you can't tell in a video. I actually agree with everything there. I love the idea of that. That is genius. Yeah. But it would have been too much. It's too much to keep track of. Like, why are there snakes? Like, how did I get rid of the snakes? And then you forget <laughs> about the dragon and all the dragons back. Like, right. it's too much. It's just too much going on. For what yeah. is a high concept that you're just walking into as well, right? Like, the person presses play and then a book unfolds and they're given a story. Mm-hmm. Like, there's enough time just trying to work out what is happening before you can really latch on to the story. So like keeping the story mm-hmm. as simple as possible uh, probably worked out pretty well for you, I think. Yeah. yeah, and the original would have just been way too long. I th- I think the first time I read it through and I timed it, it was something like 30, 35 minutes to get to the end at think, like a speaking voice. I will say, I think I would have kind of liked that. Like, you know, as much as I enjoyed the video, like I think I would want more of it. Like whilst I understand... It's probably too much. 
I kind of like the idea of a 35-minute video, but I'm probably very alone in this, especially to YouTube's algorithm. <laughs> Me and the algorithm disagree significantly on this, I would expect. This is a good example, though, of of my feeling with so many things in life where you, you can never know if you get it exactly right, yeah. but you can know which way is better to overshoot. And this is a case in video format where you always want to overshoot under, right? It's much better to have a video that people feel like, Wait, oh, I could, what? I would like more of that. Overshoot versus under? a video where people what feel is, like, what is that? What are you trying? What is that? What is that phrase? Overshoot under? You could overshoot over and you can overshoot under. All right. Can, can I give you a better phrase for this one, please? No. Can we go with under promise and over deliver? Can we go with that one? No, because that makes no that makes no sense in this context. Of course it does, Gray. Overshoot under? What, like there's two basketball hoops and like <laughs> you're going to the middle one, which is still impressive because yeah. it's 60 feet away rather than the 90 feet away. Like I don't, you know, like... I think it makes perfect sense, Mike. You just don't okay. like my phrasing. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of the problem. It's not, <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with the sentiment. The reason why I'm using overshoot under... Right? Oh, is it God. like, okay, let me explain. Is because, again, the metaphor in my mind is with so many things is that you have a dial and you want the dial to be set at the perfect marker, but you don't know what that marker is, right? Where exactly should that dial be turned? So you can overshoot in both directions. You can overshoot too much and you can overshoot too little. Like you're missing the target. And so like, which way do you want to go? That's always the important question to ask. And I think with video format, too short is almost universally better than too long. Without without question, that's the way that you want to mm-hmm. you want to err on that side. That may not be the case with many other things, but with this format, I really think it I really think it matters. Um, and after many, many, many dozens of revisions, there was not a shorter version of that story that I could have conceived of. Like, I, I tried to wring out every version I possibly could, and the, the rattlesnakes were the last to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think you made the right decision. Like, I wasn't checking the progress bar, you know, as mm-hmm. the video was going, right? And that's kind of like a, a warning sign to me. You know, if I'm watching a video and I tap the screen to see how far along I am. Yeah, that's always that's always that's a bad the death sign. knell. Yeah. That's the death knell of a video, right? Especially when you go into it, it's like, oh, this is 13 minutes, right? And you mm-hmm. press play. If I start tapping around minute two, like, <laughs> you haven't done very well there, my friend, you know, and, <laughs> and I wasn't finding myself doing that. Like, it was it was gripping enough. Um, I do just want to circle back and say that uh, I do not agree with the metaphor that you have no, created still. I go. just, I agree with what you're trying to say. I disagree mm-hmm. with the metaphor. I just want people to know that because I, I disagree. Um, mm-hmm. In, in okay. a different way to the forest fire one where I just flat out didn't like that. Your objection has been noted. Uh, I just need everyone to know that that phrase is poppycock and I don't like it. What about the boulder? Do you object to the boulder metaphor, Mike? <laughs> or can we come back to that later? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that right now. We actually may come back to that later on. <laughs> so I, I actually got a bunch of questions in our Cortex subreddit for you. Oh, yeah? And I wanted to pick a couple out from a, a post from the user QuirkyRain07, who asked some questions that I thought were very interesting as it pertains to the creation of this video. So I'll give you a couple of these. So okay. what was your role in making this video? Because 
with the script, you kind of serve more of an editor than a writer, right? Like you really, again, whilst you adapted it, and we, mm-hmm. I think we can see you've, you've added to it, it wasn't an original kind of idea and thought from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, there seemed to be significantly more asset creation than usual. We're animating, there was more music. There was uh, also an illustrator, which I think is kind of different to your usual process. So were you kind of acting as a director like what was your role in the creation of this video were you way more involved than usual in the in the kind of the put the piecing things together well well i mean it's listed in the credits mike it's very clear it says adapted and narrated by cgp gray that's how right so was that what you did then you just gave the audio (laughs) and then let everybody else run on their merry way and then just a video popped out at the end of it yeah well i mean i guess it could say produced Adapted and narrated by CGP Grey. Exactly. But then I would look like an asshole, right? Well, surely, <laughs> like, you you did do that, though. Or, like, produced, directed, adapted, and narrated by the renowned author CGP Grey. No, but I'm not an author at all. Like, oh, I've written nothing. Sorry. Right? Why this do I keep also, getting again, that Just wrong. to be really clear. I don't, I don't know why. Again, I have, I have edited. Edited at best. By the world-renowned podcaster. CGP Grey. That's why you narrated it because you're 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 a podcaster, right? Like you're used to the audio medium. I am very used to the audio medium because I record all of the audio for my videos, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know what this I don't know what this role would be called. Mm-hmm. But I like it was a very different process because in. Like in almost everything that I, I I work with with other people, it's like I'm I'm usually working with one other person or or, or one other person is the like the primary contact uh, through which other people exist. But I, I I tend to just be very one on one in the way that I I collaborate. But this was the first time that it was much more of a coordination between the team. And the thing that I think is throwing people off in the, the credits. So let me ex- let me explain the roles like as as it seems to me. So obviously I am adapting and narrating. That's obvious. There's music and also sound design, which is obvious. That role is very clear. But that's different though, right? Sound design. You don't usually have sound design in your videos. Yes, that is true. This mm-hmm. is this is a thing that came up in the process that was suggested, and I was like, that is a brilliant idea that never would have occurred to me. Like. Go for it. Yeah, it adds um, a new dimension to a story. I, I think that the, the sound effects were. I mean, you know, anyone that is a Real FM member knows Mike loves the sound <laughs> of effect. Course. He is of sound course. effect wild, and uh, there are going to be some great sound effects this year. I'm very excited. Uh, yes, we'll talk but, about that later. But if you want to hear Mike's handiwork with mm-hmm. those sound effects, where can they go, Mike? Uh, relay.fm slash membership. Sign up to become a member and you will get our bonus content, which includes a couple of text adventures that we've gone on together, including the uh, renowned Spooky Manor. Yeah, there'll be plenty of sound effects in there for you. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, like it. that was a thing that just didn't cross my mind, but then it became part of the process. And I was like, okay, well, great. This is this is way better. But the, the one that seems to confuse people is illustration versus animation. So... It's been interesting to get feedback from people that I've I've shown it to because like I'm looking at it in a very different way than I think the viewers are. But there are the actual drawings that you're seeing, 
Right? So there is mm-hmm. the drawing of the dragon. There's the king. There's the queen. They're all all of the people. Right? That to me is the illustration. Yeah. And like, that's what's occurring there. But mm-hmm. what's not obvious behind the scenes is the the way we set it up is that almost all of those pieces are done as separate little Photoshop drawings Mm -hmm. so that they can all be moved by the animator, the person who is animating the things, bringing them to life. But those are, those are two separate roles. Yeah. Um, Now, if you're just doing stick figures, an animator can very easily also be the illustrator. That can be the same person. Because I think we spoke about this when you brought your animator on, that there was a there was a library of assets already Mm -hmm. created by you, right? That they were taking from primarily and creating their own when necessary. But it's very different and this is in a very different style. Yeah. And to go back to those episodes when when we were talking about me bringing on an animator in the first place, one of the one of the questions and one of the things I was really looking for because it was my first like real hire in quotes uh, was I was trying to find someone who could play both of those roles. Like I, I was aware that that might not be possible, but that's what I was really hoping for. So like with the first person, I want to be able to find someone who can who can both do new stick figure drawings in a way that looks like my style or even improves upon my style, which totally has, and can also animate. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm looking for those things. Um, And now is is the first time, and there may be exploratory motions in, in the future in different directions for this, where it's like, oh, maybe I can look at bringing someone on who is just an animator, right? Or who's someone who is just an illustrator. To be more ambitious. Yeah, this was an interesting project for me because it was the first time and it was a way I really could see that by, you know, like the whole of the economy, by increasing the specialization that people can do, you can do more, right? Whereas like, I can't write music, I can't draw that well, I can't animate that cleverly. But I can act as a coordinator between these people and I can bring my skills to the table, which is the editing and and smoothing down and simplifying of a complicated thing. And then all of those elements together become something that none of us could have produced individually. And so it was it was just really interesting to see because it just made it it made it so different than anything else that i've I've put together before and uh, like again i have to say i'm really really pleased with the way it came out i think you should be um like i'm i'm watching it silently here (laughs) as we're talking um because it would be really distracting to listen to it as well yeah i think that would be hard but it is visually i mean you know like i don't i'm not trying to like suck up to you here but like you, you this could be on tv like it, you're, you're not sucking up to me because i didn't draw or animate any of the visuals <laughs> then i'll suck up to your to your animator and illustrator but the, the the visuals here are as good as something i could imagine watching on like children's tv right like you know like that this would be an educational program that might be on the bbc or something mm-hmm. because it is such a striking and kind of original style like the the way that everybody looks i feel like i have and haven't seen this type of like way of depicting people before like it's it's kind of unique in its own way like it is it is very very attractive like it is i think the time and i'm expecting significantly increased budget required 
to do it this way <laughs> yes, uh, yes was worth it. I, I, I'm looking at this and I think that it was worth it. And that does actually lead me into a question which about 25 people have asked me um, about the the money involved in this. Like, obviously, this was a more expensive thing to do. Is the ROI calculation positive? And does that matter? Yeah, well, at the time of recording, the final bill has has not come due. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can't give like exact comparisons to other projects, but uh, easily, easily just ballparking it in, in my head compared to other projects that I've worked on. Uh, when you factor in the amount of time that was spent, when you factor in the the dramatically increased cost and the ungodly number of human hours that have been poured into this thing uh it has to be one of the worst return on investment projects i have i have yet worked on uh it's measured in measured in those terms of like dollars back per dollar time hour spent uh i think it's it's got to be it's got to be near the very bottom of, of projects that i've worked on um, right, but this, you know, f- coupling with what we were just talking about, this can be the problem with assuming that all work must be positive on revenue generated alone, because this project has shown you that, oh, I can make significantly more exciting and interesting things if I have an animator. Well, then if you factor that into potential future revenue, this is a very different equation, right? Like, you may look at this video right now and be like, well, lost money on that one. But in mm-hmm. a year, you could be like, oh, well, then we brought on this animator as well. And our videos became significantly more popular and we made significantly higher returns on every video. And then it mm-hmm. changes the equation for this one, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few things here. Uh, the, the one that I want to say is like, we'll get to the, the business the business end of it in, in a second. So, you know, let's not forget that. But... On a personal level, this was a project that was really important to me, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I was very, I was very aware of everybody I worked with uh, had just total free reign of like anything you can think of to do to make this better, just go for it. Like I'm not, ch- I'm not checking in with billable hours. Like, right. with, like not just nickel just and dime. Go, this one. yeah. Like I don't want progress reports on on how much you're spending this week. I don't want any of this. Like if you think it, it can be better. If you think it can be better, just go for it. And part of part of that was because this was was originally intended as as this little uh, series, this little crossover series. I I was really disappointed with the way my first video came out in that series. Like I just don't. It was not what I wanted it to be, and probably is one of the videos I'm I'm the most unhappy with in the past many years. Which one was uh, that one? It's the Why Die one. Okay. 24 Hours of Death. I love that one. I think that one's Genius. Great. I mean, I really liked Why Die. I mean, it's not my favorite CGP Grey video of all time, but, like, I, I enjoyed it. The, the thing that is disappointing to me is, is, like, there's... Whenever you create anything, there's the idea of it in your head, and then yes. there's the, the, oh. the ugly reality yes. of what you have birthed. Oh. And boy, boy, are those things different sometimes. And sometimes you feel you feel like, you know, 
after after you have birthed the thing and you're looking at at like the blood all over your hands and this mess of meat Why? that you're holding, what? you're like, what how did this happen? Why right? do you like, write metaphors this way now? <laughs> like, what is going on? I think it's I think it's a good metaphor. <gasps> um, but it's like it just it looks it looks horrible. You're like, this is not what I was intending to create in the world at all. Mm-hmm. And I think the Why Die one is is probably the one where the version of that in my head is the most different than the thing that I ended up creating. But sure. we don't need to revisit it. There were a lot of constraints around like the production of that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's partly why like I really felt that just by the choice of projects, it happened to be that what I was intending to be the third and final thing in this little series basically gave me a chance to try to redo that first one. And so that was also why like I really want this to be good. And I, I don't want to make another thing and feel like, oh, man, I, I I only got one out of the three that I was aiming for. And now I feel like, oh, I got two out of three. I'm pretty happy about this. And uh, so that that was part of the reason. Other part of the reason is I do think it's it's an important topic to talk about. And sure, uh, sure does bring out a lot of interesting conversation, uh, much more so than other topics I, I touch upon. Uh, which you can see from the crazy number of comments on the video and, mm-hmm. and in the Reddit. Which never hurts. N- it never hurts. Uh, it never hurts. It can hurts, be weird, but... but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. <laughs> 14,000 comments? My yeah. word! That's a lot of comments. There's a lot of a lot of discussion <laughs> going on about the video. Uh, yeah, the YouTube YouTube numbers are crazy as well. That's wild. Like I've just looked at um, the comment numbers on the Rules for Rulers, which I think is your mm-hmm. most popular or one of your most popular videos. Six six million views. Yeah, that has nineteen thousand comments. This vi- the current video is approaching a million, and it has nearly as many. <laughs> That's wild. That's yeah, really crazy. Yeah. Wow. So it's like yeah, the the comment view ratio is six times higher than Rules for Rulers. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it brings out some interesting interesting conversation but... <laughs> that I will not take a part in. But <laughs> yeah, it that, can we, that we can we can skip right by for the moment. <laughs> uh, but I can just say people sometimes have some very interesting interpretations of things. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by our wonderful friends at Casper, the company focused on sleep that are dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable. One night at a time. If you're anything like me, you will know how important sleep is in your life. I adore it when I am sleeping and I love being able to sleep in a nice place. Let me say at least I adore it in the morning when I wake up and I'm all sleepy and I just want to sleep a little bit longer. That's my favorite time to be in bed. And every time I have slept on a Casper mattress, I know I'm going to get a great night's sleep. I know I'm going to look forward to it in the morning. I'm not going to be too hot. I'm not going to be too cold because they regulate your temperature with their wonderful breathable design. You just know that every time you sleep on a Casper mattress, you're going to get a great night's sleep because their products are designed for humans. They have engineering that will soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. And that is what you're going to get. When you lay on a Casper mattress, you are going to feel comfortable. You're going to feel supported. It's awesome. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Don't just take my word for it. Hey, if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, am I going to buy a mattress online? How am I going to know how it feels? 
This is risk-free. Casper have a 100-night sleep-on-it trial. They will deliver the mattress directly to your door. You can put it in your bed. You can put your linens on it, put your pillows on it, and sleep on it. And if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by going to casper.com slash Cortex and using Cortex at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That is casper.com slash Cortex and the offer code Cortex. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. I do feel much more responsibility on the videos where I'm working with somebody else's material as opposed to assembling something on my own. So, sure. so like my, the, the previous video about how machines learn, like, like that video I put in front of people who have talked about the topic or like I send off to some experts and I, like I want to get the topic right. And I feel I feel really good when people see the topic and they send back and they're like, oh, yeah, you've done a good job explaining this. But it's very different when I'm adapting the book of an author, right? And and this one was even more so. It's like I'm not even I'm not even trying to convey the ideas in your story. I'm trying to make a version of your story that's a video. Fiction's harder because nonfiction it's like facts and research, and you can be like, well, I did this research, and I don't agree with your point. I think mm-hmm. of it this way, and this is what I'm pointing to and saying. You know, there you go. That that's why I disagree with this, but. If you're taking somebody's imagination and telling them, like, I think it should be done differently, that's that's an emotional thing that you're giving to that person. Yeah. So uh, th- that's also why I really I really felt like just as many human hours as is necessary to make it good. Like, let's let's go for it. Although even even there, uh, you know, you have to <laughs> you have to set some limits. Got to draw the line somewhere. You have to draw a line for yourself because uh, you know. Now, Mike, I know I, I told you that I built the black monolith that I'm in for you and podcasting. But mm-hmm. that wasn't that wasn't really truthful. It's very useful for podcasting. But the whole saga of building the black monolith was entirely motivated by this project. That mm. I wanted to have a much better audio setup. You want a clean audio. I want clean audio. I wanted something that was at least I knew I couldn't replicate it, but I wanted to get something that was at least close to the cleanliness of audiobooks when you have high production values for those. Like, I, I did as best as I think I could do as an individual for approaching that level. Well, I mean, like, considering how much money you threw at this project, why didn't you just, like, hire a studio for a day? I seriously considered it, but one of the reasons I, I knew hiring studios wouldn't be great is because I knew I was going to end up doing multiple takes of this, which right. certainly and happened over a long period of time. And that doesn't work. There were three different versions of the audio composed from uh i think in the end eight different takes and uh each time i was trying to get it better and and more what i would want it to be and this is where i did stop myself because i still don't like that final take i feel like it's very close but it's not really perfect of of what i would want but this this is also a case where I had to set some limits for myself and say, "All right, after eight takes, we're done. You don't You're like it's not perfect. Not going to do any better than this, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you, you can keep trying, but it's just going to be wrong in different ways." Yeah, I think I could have done better if I if I had more time. <laughs> How much more time? But at a certain point, I am the bottleneck in the process right. where the animation, the illustrations, they need to be moved against the actual audio I'm going to say the so we can see like where are we missing like where are our Im- images on the screen too long what doesn't quite work with the exact timing of the way I've said things like there's a there's so many details that hang on 
finalizing the audio that this this was a place where it's like I got it ninety percent of the way where I want it to be, and I'm I'm gonna have to stop myself because I will re- I will re-record this right. for another month if if I have my way. And I guess the problem is you're about to start traveling. Yeah, for the summer, so you didn't have any more time to record it in the black monolith, right? Like this was it, right? You can't yeah. push it on three more months because otherwise this video comes out in November. Yeah, there there is a very um. We were really down to the wire on this one, where if this video had not come out uh, when it did, which is a couple of days ago as we're recording, it probably wouldn't have come out until after the end of the summer, mm. precisely because people's schedules are all of a sudden less available. I'm less around. Uh, so like we were really pushing it to get it out by the end of April because we knew like we're going to start. It's going to get into that time where there are just big delays because someone isn't available. Uh, very often that would be me. And you just can't move the thing forward. So, yeah, it's it, it was like, we got to get it out at this time. And and that was partly what was I was able to tell myself, like, I can stop recording this audio because otherwise we don't have it. We don't have a chance of of making it. So what about the business side then? You said we're going to come back to the business side. We've done the personal ROI part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you can do art above commerce sometimes, but, you know, not all of the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do this almost on a weekly basis. Like I produce things that I know I'm never going to make any money on because I want to make them. What is your most recent art over commerce project? Like what, what's something like that that you've done recently? Streaming Portal 2 for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's like, not profitable, Mike? It will be eventually. Uh-huh, but, but not today. It, it is. It, the, the, my, my first, this first stream, I didn't make any money on it. Um, mm. But, you know, it is it is in, like, and I guess the same kind of thing that you're thinking of with the animation, right? Like, I did this thing, and it cost me a bunch of money, but it might, this actually might work out to be a good thing in the future, and that's how I'm approaching stuff like this. I think in the future, it could become a thing, but right now, I would do it purely for the love of it. Yeah. My thoughts on this project is, especially when you're self-employed. I, I think it's really important to to be trying out different things and to just just have your your mind on different stuff because it's it's really easy to like to put your head down and just always work on the thing that's successful and that's that's great. Like you can you can double triple and and quadruple down on the successful thing and keep your head down. But if you do that all the time, if you don't ever look up and and try different things, like you may not recognize as the landscape shifts underneath you. So this is a project that I can justify from a business perspective purely for the fact that it is good to do new things and it's, it's good to try out different ways of producing stuff. In a more direct business way, like there there have been places that have opened doors about doing, you know, a big series, you know, for other places. <laughs> you know, just yeah, like. Yeah. Just when you're walking down the street and like, you know, someone's door opens and they're like, come on, make a series. You know, it's just like som- sometimes, sometimes that's a thing that can like come up at conversations with places. 
<laughs> places near or places far, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's like, yeah who knows? It's just a thing. Who knows? Who knows? No one just, knows, I, really. Just talking in general. Yeah. But, like, now in a very small way, I have I have at least some some concept of what it's like to work with a tiny team. You know, again, I'm really only working with three people here, but it it does make a it's a big difference between working with one person. Yeah. Uh, and it, it becomes exponentially more difficult. And it, it, I, I would feel like if I ever did something that was much more complicated and involved many more people, I would have at least some better idea of, of what to expect going into that. Uh, as as opposed to if we want if we rewind the clock six months, like I really wouldn't have any any sense at all of of what that would be, and and part of that means recognizing the parts where I'm not good at that. Yeah, like we're talking about like oh this this video came out and it's like amazing and and I'm really happy with it and like I couldn't imagine anything that's better, but like I'm I'm not always the best at working with people and it's like it's it's useful just to have a sense of like where am I better or where am I worse with this like where mm-hmm. does how does the process work better or how does the process work worse and like maybe that's applicable in the future maybe it's not and but that's a kind of thing just to know for the business and and for myself so not every individual project needs to be ROI positive uh and th- and this one may or may not be but I'm I'm very pleased with the way it came out in the end Today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends at Hover. Building your online identity is an incredibly important thing to think about. With Hover, you can find the domain that will show the world who you are and what you're passionate about. I mean, obviously on this show, I've lost count of the amount of times that we've spoken about starting projects. That is one of the core aspects of this show, right? Starting projects. When you start a project, you need a domain name. And also, you need that domain name to say something to the people that are coming to your website. You want to get a name that shows exactly what they're going to be seeing. And that's what's so great about Hover, because they will show you very easily. You just search, Your search function is so simple, you can just type in and they'll show you what's available. But they also offer over 400 domain extensions, including classics, fun and niche extensions, and some really super useful ones as well. So for example... Dot blog is a good one. So let's say you're starting a new blog. You can very easily get a name with the dot blog extension. It shows people what they're getting before they've even arrived. What if you're a designer or an artist? It's dot design. How much more simple can that be? Hover will allow you to keep your domain separate from your hosting as well, so you don't get stuck with a hosting service that doesn't meet your needs. They have best-in-class customer support, and they even have a feature that I love called Hover Connect. I've so many times broken setting up new domains because I've not understood completely the fields that I need to type in and where they need to be typed and all that kind of nonsense. That's why Hover created Hover Connect. It allows you to connect your domain name to many website builders and companies with just a few simple clicks. You don't have to be digging around in settings anywhere. If you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover is there to help you make that first step. Go to hover.com slash cortex and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That is hover.com slash cortex. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show. How's that journal going, Mike? Well, the journal we spoke about before no longer exists. Oh, so so poorly then. No, actually. Oh. Little, little fake out for you. I got a new journal. Ah, it's like the Phoenix journal rising from the ashes of the other one. Exactly. So I had a slight problem uh, with the structural integrity of my previous journal. Uh, <laughs> I created the cardinal sin of removing pages from the beginning of the journal before I started using it, 
which meant uh, the cover started to come off. I right. should have known better, but nevertheless. And then I decided to go down a different route. Um, I will put links in the show notes to what I bought. There's no point in me explaining it, but th- th- it is a really nice paper uh, made in Japan, and they, it is a company called Hobonichi, and they make these specific like uh, journal products, like journaling products. Um, and what I like about it is there is a page for every day, and it's just blank. It's just got the date on it. So mm-hmm. it's not really boxing me in. So it's a smaller book. So because it's smaller, I've had to refine my questions because I don't have much space anymore. But I actually, having done uh, my journal for a bit, I found a different feel for what I wanted to be putting in it. So I want to give you a recap uh, of the Mm -hmm. questions that I was using and now what I've changed to, which actually means that I now need to get both of these journals in front of me. Okay, so journal one. Okay. Before I changed over, I was asking every day, uh, what are my priorities? A good thing that's happened, a bad thing that's happened, what I'm looking forward to, what I have learned, what is on my mind, and the pens that I've used. That was what was going in on a double page every day. Mm. So now I've moved down to a notebook, which is single page every day, and the single page is probably about a third smaller. So... A lot, a lot had to go, right? Mm-hmm. So I started looking at what I had. I decided the first one to go was priorities because all I was doing was just patting myself on the back every day. It was kind of pointless, really. Mm-hmm. It didn't really give me any kind of feeling of like, congratulations, you did this thing. All I was doing was opening Todoist, writing some of my tasks down and then ticking them off at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It quickly, the dopamine rush of that quickly went away. Right. Right, like when I started the journal, it was lovely to be like you accomplished these three things, but ultimately it just became like, why am I writing these things down again? They're already written down, so that went quickly. Yeah, I, I've like, I, I really struggled with that thing too, where there's there's like a use in prioritizing three things that need to happen, but I I always find any kind of information duplication. It just I, I cannot maintain it for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this thing's here and it's there. You start doing it for long enough and it's like, well, if I'm only saying my priorities are three things, why do I do everything else? And then it's the question of, well, they're also important things, which is why I do them. So then it's like, Mm -hmm. well, what's the point in me doing this in the first place? Right? Like I either start listing everything that's truly important or remove things that aren't. And I didn't really get any specific learning from performing that activity i can imagine Mm. that activity being very valuable for a lot of people but for me over time the the value of writing that down every day waned quite quickly Mm. so for me uh writing down my pens every day is something that i like to do um because so cute mike i well because this is this whole process and one of the reasons that it has stuck for me um is that I love my pens and I don't get to use them as much as I would like. And my little self-imposed rule of using two pens every day and they cannot be the same pens as the day before means that I'm using a lot more of the stuff that I love. Like I'm Mm. I'm changing it every day. So there's just a little space right at the very top of the page where I just write down the name of the pen and that Mm. makes me happy. And then I was thinking, I was going back to kind of like the core of what this thing was for in the first place, which was to help me kind of just really think about what is going on in my life and focus on uh, the impact the things are having on me and kind of 
looking at it and seeing what I can do. So very quickly, good and bad thing made mm-hmm. the cut because they, okay. they were kind of like the crux of doing this in the first place. Writing down a good thing, writing down a bad thing, allowing me to reflect on those and seeing if and how they keep popping up, right? That that was very useful for me. Uh, the same with looking forward because that has been very valuable to me in understanding that there's always something good on the horizon and just taking time to think about that every day and also with the self-imposed rule of not repeating the same thing two days in a row makes me uh, value things that are coming up. So that's been very good too. And then the other thing that I kept came from you, which was originally uh, in my old journal On My Mind, but Mm -hmm. it's changed in the new journal to Think Slash Feel. Oh, that's good. Hmm. So this kind of encompasses the learn as well, because that's where I kind of put stuff like that. Like if I've learned something that I find interesting, it will go in think and feel, because typically they're either things that I think or feel. Um, That doesn't get completed every day. Uh, Good, bad, and looking forward will get completed every day. Although sometimes there isn't a good thing or there isn't a bad thing. There's typically always a good thing that I can write down, but something that i enjoy is not every day a bad thing gets written in i think that that can be a nice feeling but i try my best to fill as much as i can out of every one of these every day um it has also become a weekday only task for me um Hmm. it is a very work focused journal that's an interesting that's an interesting idea because if i'm finding that i'm just putting work stuff in there if i'm putting stuff in on the weekend it maybe means i'm working too much on the weekend so mm-hmm. enforcing that as a practice for me i actually found to be not good so i don't do that the other reason that i bought this journal gray was it gave me a way to start having daily active questions from triggers because what this journal has in it is also a monthly calendar view with a little square for every day. Mm -hmm. So what I have is I have my questions written down the side of the page, and then in each daily box, I give myself a score out of five for every one of those questions, and then add them up to see my daily score. Mm. So it's given me a way of of finding a way to put this information uh, on paper, which I wanted. I wanted it in the same place as my journal because they are a process that goes hand in hand. Um, And I also wanted it to just be on paper. That was just the way that I liked it. And then when I'm finished with my journal for the day, I complete my active questions too. Uh, I'll give just a refresh of my seven questions. Be creative, advance new ideas, generate revenue, make colleagues feel valued, do good for Adina, engage my audience and improve my health. They are my seven questions. And I give myself a score out of five. There is no scale for this score. Like I haven't defined what each of these mean. It is more for me just how did I think I did today? And and that is kind of like, I know that that is a very loosey-goosey uh, way of scoring myself, but that's kind of all this system feels to me, really. It, it's just a way for me to reflect on how I feel I have done in a day to give myself some data. Yeah, this is the loosiest, goosiest system ever exactly like the, like the whole journaling thing it's not it's not scientific here. no right <laughs> like, like there there is today no i feel evaluation. exactly 4.2 on making colleagues feel valued <laughs> exactly so like you know so it's just how i feel on each day and mm-hmm. like all good data it has given me something already so i've been doing this for the whole month of april by and large except when i've been traveling or it's been the weekend or whatever and I know if I have noticed something 
very interesting, which ties in with a personal hypothesis. Uh, I am a person who travels a lot, um, and I enjoy traveling because when I travel, I'm typically going to do something that I enjoy, and I'm with people that I care about, and it's always a good time. I spent the first four months of the year not traveling, having spent the previous like eight months going somewhere every month. What do you think was the furthest you were from your home in the last four months before travel started? Mm, not far, man. Like <laughs> within an hour. Right. Okay. <laughs> so not not far. And I believed as the time was drawing to a close of being just stuck in London, um, that my mood was declining because of it. Like I was kind of feeling maybe a little bit grounded or trapped, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't liking it. And my scores started declining leading up to going to the Atlanta Pen Show. When I have come home, the scores are significantly different. So going from in the week prior, scores of 15 out of 35, 15, 17, 18, to coming back, and I have not scored myself lower than 24 in the mm. last week and a half. Mm -hmm. And I feel better. Like, I feel rejuvenated in general, and it's coming through in the work that I'm doing. I, I'm, I feel more energized again because I am entering a period of knowing that I'm getting into my normal rhythm again. So I'm working differently. I'm working harder and faster in the time that I'm in London. And I have things to look forward to and new ideas and things that I'm able to put some work into because of the fact that my usual rhythms are coming back. So the daily active questions, I will really enforce this as a very good thing. Um, if you can find a system that works for you, because having only done it for a month, I can already see the benefits of having this information. It's very much like time tracking. The actual daily benefit of time tracking is almost zero, right? Me spending the time to track what I'm doing every day does nothing for me every day. But when I want to find out a piece of information about myself, I have this huge data set to draw from. And it's mm -hmm. taught me some very interesting things. You know, we, we spoke about this at the beginning of the year. Like when it comes to setting my yearly themes and thinking about the things that I want to do every year, I have this data set of, by and large, every time I have spent any time working over 365 days, what did I spend my time on? That mm -hmm. is an incredible source of information. And it's why... I continue to time track all of my work every single day because maybe in December I'm going to need it. Yeah. And that's the same for me now with the active questions. It is a very quick thing for me to do. It takes no more than a couple of minutes. I should also mention as well, um, a friend of mine listens to the show and reached out and they're doing it too and we are reporting to each other. Oh, so you're, go you're going all in. Yes. On the triggers method, you have an accountability mm -hmm. buddy. <laughs> I have an accountability buddy, a guilt friend. Yeah, we didn't we didn't mention that I think in the actual discussion of the book review, the idea that you're supposed to have somebody check in with you on those mm -hmm. questions to make sure that you're both following them and also as a person to ask questions which we have been doing to each other of why are you scoring yourself one on that every day? <laughs> yeah, it's like 
as I think I have made very clear, I, I feel this this almost weird resentment to journaling and how effective it is at all sorts of things because it just it's so it's so touchy feely, and the accountability buddy, I I do not deny that that would be even more effective, but it's just. It's a bridge too far for me. It's like, I'm sorry, I can't go down that bridge. I will say, when he recommended it, I was I was apprehensive. Like, I was willing mm-hmm. to try it, but I was apprehensive. It is valuable. Oh, I don't, I do not, I do not for a second yeah. deny that it is. But it's, it's like, I, if I had to, if I had to do the, like, let me, let me tell somebody else how I feel about my work today. I, I just... I, yeah. I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could it is, do it. Even though cool. I would acknowledge, like, if I was forced to do it, I would almost certainly acknowledge that it's a it's a benefit. But it's like the activation energy of that hill is just too high. Yeah. You know, I, but, but in I'm general, happy for you, Mike. I'm very you. happy for you. I mean, I would say in general that like I'm I'm surprised that this this whole process has embedded with me as quickly as time tracking did. Um, both of these things, people will spend a week doing and shy away from it, right? But this feels very much to me just a part of my daily life now. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been on trips and I've been away from doing it for like four days, come back, straight back into it. And that's when I know something is has become a habit. When I can... Because I'm the same when I travel for work, I very rarely will time track because it's too difficult to work out what's work at times. Oh yeah, yeah. Work, time tracking while traveling and and working is a nightmare. It's it's very it's hard very to do. difficult to do because it really helps when I have consistency to be able to know what's what. But when I don't have my consistency, it's difficult. Yeah, like I've I've jury rigged my own little ways of doing it, but it's 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 like it's so fiddly. I I would recommend to almost anybody doing time tracking. Like, hey, when when you're traveling. Just put in a whole bunch of hours for traveling and leave it at that. Like you're mm-hmm. you're fine, <laughs> right? You're fine. But this is like you know, and like time tracking. It's just something that I come back to, it, and I actually think the reason is is the idea of the actionable data. Yeah, that's what both of these systems share, and there is a part of my brain that really likes to have that, and that the benefit of being able to. Just look at a piece of paper and tell by numbers what my emotions are mm-hmm. is incredibly important to me and kind of mm. my well-being and my mental health. Like I have been able to look at this calendar and confirm something which I now won't let happen again. So if I am faced with a period of no travel for four months – I now need to know that there's something that I need to do during that period of time to make sure I don't get this like stuck in a rut feeling that I had. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, don't know what that is yet, but I know that if I'm forced of it, I'm going to spend way more time thinking about it instead of just thinking about it like three or four weeks before it was over. Because I yeah. realized that I was like, had these feelings that I wasn't able to fully appreciate until i got to the point where i was getting ready for my next trip and then being like why does this feel good Mm. and then like kind of like unpacking all of that to come to the the answer of oh you were on this like decline in your output and in just kind of your general mood because you weren't doing something that you love that you'd gotten used to it really is good to be able to 
quantify it like that and be able to look forward in, in, in advance and try to try to solve that problem ahead of time. I, that, that's something I, I should I should definitely do more because I, I think uh, oftentimes my impetus for a graycation is my wife gently suggesting that maybe it's time for me to go away for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I should do that. I really like what you've done with having the the 30 day boxes on one side and the questions on the other and summing it up that way. I think that's, that is a great, that's a great idea. And that's a great way to put all of that data in a visible place because that, that's something I've come across as a problem of ending up with all of these individual pages that I would then have to collate the data across. And it's like, I'm never going to, to do that again it's like the data duplication problem i was never starting this until i could do it all on one view that was why yeah. like it was it was kind of like i really like this but i haven't got a system for it yet and then when i was looking around at new journals and saw that they had these month like these just monthly pages of a space for every day it was like well that's it that's that's yeah. what i need i can see an entire month at a time and flick between pages of months and it's all just there it doesn't need me to write out every day as to mm -hmm. whoever yeah. you know like all that kind of stuff and i've yeah. i flirted with the idea of maybe just having check marks of like ticks and crosses as to whether i feel like i have made an impact that was like mm -hmm. something that i was thinking about like do i need the numbers but now i know i need the numbers because a tick could be three, mm -hmm. but a tick can also be five. And when you add those things together, it's very different in the results. You know, mm -hmm. like I could feel like I have adequately done something today, but if I feel like I have excelled at it, that is a very different mind space to be in. Mm. So the numbers, the numbers work for me, but I also, you know, I also have a short list. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people sharing their lists in the Cortex subreddit, which is really like fascinating to look at. Yeah, I've enjoyed that quite a lot. I've noticed those posts as well. And it's it's very interesting to see how other people format their questions and uh, what they're putting on those, yeah. those lists. Again, as as Triggered specifies, you know, the the scope of of human endeavor is not infinite. There's a lot of overlap, but it's still it's still always interesting to see how do how do people phrase things or how do they order them or like what are they putting emphasis on? Uh, I, I've enjoyed those posts quite a lot as well. But like I've seen people who had like 20 questions and there's no mm -hmm. way I would score those. Like you might just be best at ticking and crossing or people yeah. that have like really, really specific things as well, which I totally understand. It was like if something's super specific, um, you might not need to score it. You know, you might mm -hmm. just need to have said, yeah, I did it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you know like, like make progress on X. Well, sometimes yeah. it doesn't need a score. Like you can just say, yeah, I I." I chipped away at this a little bit like one of mine so the new ideas advanced new ideas that was one that i was toying with for a little bit and i actually may change to just a binary yes or no because some days all i may need to do is just have thought about something for a minute and mm -hmm. go in a note and that might advance the idea like it doesn't always need to be such a large thing and also it's like <sighs> it's all related to the big mystery project right for me a lot of it which mm -hmm. is not moved again and i hate like looking at that and being like oh, i still haven't done anything on it mm -hmm. and luckily i've got some st other stuff that i'm actively producing right now which is growing in scope and they are new ideas so i'm scoring highly on that but once i've 
got that taken care of, I'm going to be going back to Mystery Project when it comes to question two. <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to that again because it do- it's... I'm just hitting... I'm hitting blocks that I am not sure how to progress yet. Uh, but maybe maybe scoring myself on that every day will actually help me make some real decisions on it eventually. Listening to you talk about it, I've I've really gotta I really gotta make some decisions about this and 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 give it another real push. Uh, I mean that that was the whole reason why I wanted us to read the book a second time was because I thought like it, it was sticking with me and I I felt like this is a thing I really need to try to work into my life on a regular basis, and I keep I keep pushing it off like I have this recurring task that pops up every once in a while which is like think about how you want to do your journal, buddy, and I'm like uh, we can delay this for another week. I'm too busy this week to think about it. But it's it, it really is it really is something that I I need to give another very serious go and to to try like you have done to successfully work it into a into a a real routine so that it's as as regular to me as the as the time tracking is. Yeah, I just sent you a picture of what my my double page spread looks like. It's messy as you can imagine, but it gives mm. you kind of, it just Doesn't gives you an idea of what it looks like, you know? Like yeah. so that that kind of layout has been has been really good. Like it's very simple, right? And mm-hmm. it, it helps me get it done quickly. And then also mm-hmm. to be able to look at all of those scores together is is the real part, the real great part of it all. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm envious of your success with the journal. It's nice and colorful, and, uh, isn't it? See all the different colored inks that I have? It's, it is very nice and colorful. It, it looks like there's, there's someone who loves pens mm-hmm. using this journal. Uh, lots of smudges that make it your own. That's good. It's <laughs> you know. lots of smudges. It's very smudgy. Um, is this is the problem smudgy. with being a left-handed person who uses fountain pens. Y- your life is full of smudges. 